Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the day with the story, themes, and motifs of a treasured or nominated piece of cinema. Yeah, yeah. this is nominated. Wait, wait, wait. What is this nominated for again? Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to okay. it. Do you want to just, you want me to get that out of the way? Is it Best Picture? Oh, is it's in Best it? Picture. Yes, How? ma'am. How? I mean, they're okay. Not, hey, not to like be indicative of how I feel about this uh-huh. at all. Uh-huh. It's just surprising. It's surprising that it would be a Best Picture nominee? Yes. It is, I think, the second highest grossing film in the United States uh, in the year 2022. Not a reason for it to be on the Best nominee. Like, I mean, I guess that's it fair. It seems like, make, to make yeah. it less likely to be on that list, Yeah, like Endgame wouldn't get a Best Picture nom. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, I think this movie... Uh, well, we'll talk about it, but I think that it it's, it fits the idea of like what the Academy is trying to do. Mm. They're trying to say like a movie that is um, artistically like valuable, but also popular should be on the list because right. we want people to watch the damn Oscars. <laughs> right. This feels like it's the, is it the return of the king for Tom Cruise? It's uh, like to, to Peter Jackson's return of the king. It's like, no. they're they're like, this is your... You don't think they're going to like give him all he, of the awards? No, no. Oh, okay. No, all no. Right, uh, all he right. uh, no only because he's not nominated for best actor. Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, well, we'll I guess we'll get we'll, into we'll it. get into what the nominations yeah. are um, in a little. Sorry bit. to jump the gun. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the top um, gun. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, sorry. <laughs> just a, a warning, everyone, Jesse's going to do that all episode. That's fine. But also another warning, uh, this is probably going to go long because this movie rules. <laughs> so <laughs> I have many and several things to talk about. Um, okay. Do but, you think it rules more now that you've researched it? Yeah. Does the research certainly. add to your there feeling? Two of, things. So yes. this is a rewatch for me. I'd seen it mm-hmm. before last year. Um, but I watched it in spurts. Like mm-hmm. I'd watch like an hour during my lunch break and then an hour the next day or whatever. Right. And so like, while there was like, you know, reasonable dividing lines uh, in the movie for mm-hmm. you to be able to step away and come back, like being able to watch it in one shot, right. which we did surprisingly enough, uh, makes it more interesting. Yeah. We like, got halfway through. We, we, we said we're going to stop in an hour. Yeah. We got to our, our stopping point and uh, after the kids had gone to bed and... And I said, no, let's keep going. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm still awake. Let's I'm go. I'm awake. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. I am not falling asleep. Uh, I think I think I can power through. And yeah. it was. Uh, and yeah, you did. Yeah. I did. Not Did not fall asleep once. There you go. That's a raging endorsement <laughs> right there. If you go no further in this podcast, just let it be known. It's maybe like only the second time that's happened as we've watched these movies. Uh, but yeah, before we get into the film, would mm. you like to introduce the news story? Yeah, let's get into it. Last weekend, American fighter jets shot down a trio of unidentified flying objects over Alaska, northern Canada, and Lake Huron. Michigan. That's right. right. It's, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mid- Midwest. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Mid- is that the Midwest? That feels like Michigan's the very mid-north. Mid- right? Well, no. Because it's Midwest in the sense that the Midwest runs from Canada to, like, Texas or whatever. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, so the it, it actually um, it first appeared as a blip 
um, over, let's see, it first appeared as a blip over Montana. Okay. And then it sort of disappeared. And uh, and that was on Saturday, the, the third the third of the three okay. objects. Um, and then it, it reappeared over Wisconsin and Michigan. And military officials basically like obtained like a visual confirmation and ordered an F-16 to basically shoot it down over Lake Huron. An F-16, you say? Mm. Okay. Yes. All right. That is correct. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like F-16s were were basically used to to shoot down all of these various objects. Okay, I'm I, I'm just biting my tongue because yes, I did a little bit of airplane research, okay. and uh, military spending research yeah. going into this. And the reason that the F-16s are still being used mm-hmm. is because the promised F-35s, which yeah. were briefly mentioned in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, suck and don't work and haven't met their production schedule and the military can't actually get them uh, in place. And so they had to extend the life expectancy or the life usage of the F-16s. So, so yay, America, we're number one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. That said, there are other, um, other more scary, like future jets coming. (laughs) Well, from, from us or from others? From us and others. Well, it's sure, all, sure. It's all scary. Are they Gen 5 fighters? That's what they mentioned in the movie. They, So, yeah, we'll get into that also. <laughs> please, please continue. I, I believe <laughs> that they're actually sixth generation fighters Ooh. that we're going to talk about later. We can just put any number on anything now. Okay. Seven minute abs. No, no, no. No, but what if somebody comes up with six minute abs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they are sixth generation. I mean, sixth generation, that's just like the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like your iPhone. Right. I just, but I'm curious. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So getting back to the main story, uh, you know, it's still unknown, or at least it has been unrevealed by the government what these objects were and from whence they came, Mm -hmm. where they originated. Um, And there are also questions about why there are suddenly so many things flying in the skies over America and Northern North America. Yeah. Um, And... And so, I mean, I'm sure you could guess one of the reasons why we have so many, we had three incidents Mm. over a weekend. Uh, Gender reveal party gone awry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) F-16 blows it up and it's just pink confetti everywhere. It's a girl. (laughs) Oh, it turns out it was triplets. So, (laughs) Oh, there you go. Yes, this is just Elon Musk's version of a gender <laughs> reveal. Just if you're a billionaire, you Ugh, can... <laughs> how many children has he already revealed? Guess I could anyway. have. I, I could have named any billionaire, yeah. and you would have had that same reaction. But yeah, yeah, he probably. has so many children. That's he does. He certainly does. Yeah. So uh, it is. Yeah, like I said, it's unknown. They originally um, were over, or sorry, they were shot down over Alaska, part of Canada, and Michigan. And so I guess we're waiting for both um, U.S. officials and also the uh, mounted police, the Canadian mounted police to examine the remains and tell us exactly what they were. Love it. Now, quick question. One of the shot, my mom lives at Myrtle Beach, Mm -hmm. and she saw one of them get shot down over Myrtle Beach. Was that the one that was originally spotted in Montana, and it just made it all the way over to the coast? Ooh, that was a fourth different thing. Ooh, okay. All right. Never so mind. that was a Chinese that was known to be mm-hmm. um a and and like revealed by the government yeah. to be a Chinese uh balloon. Okay. A, a spy balloon, nonetheless. Like it, cool. 
And so it is. Uh, it was a spy balloon that drifted across America. It flew um, at a, higher than 60,000 feet. So it basically, it didn't pose any danger to aircraft, right. unlike the other three that we oh. had this past weekend, okay. which were flying closer to 20,000 feet yeah, and sure. were a danger to domestic air, okay. aircraft. So the, the very first one, the OG balloon, which was shot down back on February 4th, mm-hmm. Um, was, uh, did, was spotted over Montana. People freaked out. Um, and it floated all the way to Myrtle Beach above where your mom lives. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get some margaritas. And all the rednecks, I'm sure, yeah. were just shooting off their shotguns oh, into the sky. Like, seriously, I could imagine some, yeah. some We got to get up to the top of the Ferris wheel, then we can reach mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, yeah, people who have no idea how much a billionaire actually has, mm-hmm. um, probably, and, and are not irate about it, yeah. probably the same people who would have no idea how high 60,000 feet right. actually is. Yes. Uh, 12.2 miles or something like that. Yeah. See, and here's the thing. It means nothing to me. Yeah. yeah because yeah. I, I, I readily admit my feelings of understanding large numbers yeah. and my inability to fully grasp those concepts. Yeah. And so I, 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 I yeah. err on the side of saying, I don't know, yeah. but I believe smart people, smart, right. smarter people than I. Yeah. To, to give you an idea, uh, my son has found a book that I purchased called What If? Right. And it's a question that poses very silly. It's a book that poses very silly questions about uh, physics and science. And one of the questions somebody sent in to the author was, uh, if I shot a, a gun straight into the air, how high would someone have to be to be able to catch it with their bare hand? as it slowed down, you know, to sort of reaching its apex. And in there, he he says that, well, look, a, a AK-47 can shoot about 1.25 miles into the air. Uh, and this balloon was like 12 miles into the air. So even an AK-47 is not going to be able to shoot this balloon down. So chill out, Rednecks. Yeah, absolutely. But so getting back to the balloon itself. So here are other things that we know about that initial first Chinese balloon that was shot down on February 4th. Um, Officials say that it is unclear um, whether or not China had complete control of the balloon. I mean, it's a balloon. (laughs) So it is, it's, it's floating. It is with the wind. Right, exactly. It's going on air currents. However, um, they do believe that officials or that whomever, you know, was in in control of the balloon did have limited control. Like you can roughly carve a path. Sure. Um, and they also believe that there was a self-destruct mechanism mm-hmm. on the balloon. And the fact that it was not destructed, it was not used, mm-hmm. means that the the government was was basically continuing to collect intelligence even after it was discovered. Interesting. And you know, it's it's also believed that it's it's possible that this balloon was collecting information on uh, air force bases. Okay. Right. But then they're also, once it was discovered, collecting additional kinds of information, like how long would it take us? What's the response? How long would it take us to, you know, to shoot it down? Like all these various different things. Yeah. I, I am, I imagine my guess, this is based off of nothing. Uh, but I would speculate that, that that self-destruct is probably just there in case, we had managed to wrangle the balloon in some way other than shooting it out of the sky. Right. If we had brought it down and started to investigate it, they could have blown it up or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's... I've been watching like too many of the Miyazaki films back to back. Japanese, obviously not Chinese, but like I just imagine this like 
balloon has like a tiny cute little like raccoon inside of it, just like <laughs> spinning wheels and pushing buttons to keep it on the course or whatever. Right. Well, so of course this did happen when we were on a break. Yeah. And uh, we've completely missed our opportunity to watch Disney's Up. Yeah. Right. Although that's a very different <laughs> balloon related story, but sure. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm mostly just kidding. I, I don't know that I ever want to watch Up again. It's so yeah. sad. It's, yeah. Yep. For just the first 10 minutes. Whole thing's pretty. Yeah. Pretty yeah. It's it's sad. Um, but but yeah, so this is something again that happened several weeks ago or or you know, on on the fourth. And then this past weekend is when uh is when these balloons happen. So basically a week later on the the tenth, the eleventh, and the twelfth. Okay. Okay. Right. The fourth was a Saturday. The following Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was when these other objects appeared okay. and were shot down. Gotcha. Is it just because like we found that first one, so we started looking for other ones, and oh, hey, there they are. Well, yeah. So that's actually I was so I was that's what I was saying. Like I bet you could guess the reason why a lot of people think they're you know their yeah. theories. We don't really know. We don't know where these objects came from. Yeah. We don't know what these objects are. We don't know what their intent was or why we're suddenly seeing mm-hmm. more of them. And so a lot of these news articles are sort of speculation about right, it. Yeah, yeah. And the number one thing that they're saying is it's possible we're just seeing more objects because everybody is freaking out about the Chinese um, balloon. Yeah. And so we have increased our scope and our sensitivity of what, you know, of, our, of for, our machines yeah. that yeah. are doing the looking, right? Yeah, and yeah. so- so it's absolutely possible that these three objects would have just been there and not been seen. And, right. and we constantly have things flying over America all the time sure. that we don't really know about, like billionaires shooting uh, reflective particles <laughs> into the sky. Yeah, call back. Right. <laughs> and we just would never have seen it, right? And, and that's that abs- snow, baby. Yes, that's right. Uh, revisit our Snowpiercer episode. Yes. <laughs> was that episode three? Was yeah, that just our last yeah. episode? That was our last episode <laughs> prior to the break, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a moment, folks. But um, yeah, speaking of things just like being shot into the sky, and um, it's it's entirely possible that that this is just, we are now looking more closely, and so we are now finding yeah. things. Yeah. That that we did, and we have changed our methods and and uh, of detection or or whatever you know our, our standard or threshold for detection, and yeah. so we are finding more things, like you know it's it's um similar to it, it makes me think of like um uh maybe autism diagnoses right it's not that we um, it's not that people are more likely to be autistic now than in the past right it's just we know what it is so we look for it we just have better means of detection or, or ADD or yeah. any like new um any new health thing that people, you know, suddenly find out about. And then you just like, everywhere you look, it's like, there it is, there it is. Right. right? right. And same with um, objects in the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so the, oh, the original Chinese balloon also was not shot down by um, an F-16. I think it was shot down by like an F-22. Is that a thing? That is a thing. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was the, that was what shot down the, uh, this cool. Chinese balloon. These three objects. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking there's a video of like people of the rednecks in Myrtle Beach just uh-huh. like cheering it on as they're like, hey, man, there comes a dang on plane, man. Look at your shot at the balloon. <laughs> there's like cheering. It's like, Woo-hoo, yeah, I'm just like you the the might of the American military, the what, eight hundred trillion dollars or whatever. No, it's not it. Eight hundred billion dollars we spend on defense spending every year. Mm. And you're just like, woo, we shot a balloon, mm-hmm. a balloon. Anyway, sorry. 
Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just like, this is it. This is American might, everybody. We can let a balloon travel across our entire country before is it we that shoot we it shot down it, the ocean. Is it that they're cheering that we shot at a balloon or cheering that we shot at something that Chinese government, the Chinese government made? I mean, all of the above. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess also, to in their credit, mm. you don't often get to see the American military use their missiles to blow some stuff up in the sky. So yeah, Not kinda, in America. Not in America. <laughs> so, you know, woo. Yeah. Woo, yeah. I say. So the, what's interesting is it's possible I was just reading an article that was in reaction to the third thing coming out, but yeah. it seemed to group the first and the second objects together and the third object separately. Okay. Um, the, the first two objects were flying lower than the spy balloon. In fact, all three of them were. So again, they didn't really pose... Um, they, they were posing a greater danger to like civilian aircraft and they were able to be shot down over areas that were not very heavily populated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the question is like, well, why didn't they just shoot down the original balloon? Um, you know, why did they wait until it got all the way to the ocean? And the answer is, well, it was flying over very large, you know, largely populated areas. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really a threat. Right, right. Uh, and so with these two, um, the Defense Department, um, you know, they they made the call. NORAD tracked them for at least 12 hours, and then they were shot down. Okay. Now, the first balloon, they said that it broke into pieces after it was shot down on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, they said that it was, it was more likely to be some kind of a balloon. Um, and they, like, the way that they described it, it sounds like it's three different kinds of things. Um the 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 second one was like a some kind of a cylindrical object, whereas the first one they said uh, is most likely not a balloon. Gotcha. So the, I, I know like some idiot on CNN was like, so are they aliens? <laughs> right. Well, so and that's actually one of the other explanations. So the the first explanation obviously is just we're just looking more, and right. so therefore we are seeing more. Um, another is hey, maybe these are. Um, Maybe these are aliens. Maybe these are extraterrestrial. General Glenn Van Herc, uh, the commander of the Air Force's Northern Command, said that he hasn't ruled it out at this point when he was asked Uh, about it. (sighs) Right. This is some bullshit that the military says to get people to talk like, hey, this is uh, aliens and whatever, and and completely ignore the fact that they just like drop their guard and let some foreign country spy on us. Right. Well, and then on the same day, uh, national security officials basically said that that's not (laughs) not the case. (laughs) Um, Also, that guy probably would have been like, I don't know, sir, did somebody just drive a 1963 Chevy really fast into the sky? And that's what we saw. He's like, I can't rule it out. (laughs) Right. I'm not ruling anything out at this point. I mean, that's basically what they said. It's like, there are things we can rule out. Yes. There are some things that we can definitely rule out. This was um, not a giant metal corgi, for instance. Ruled out. <laughs> <laughs> so they also said um, that, but they basically discounted this on the same day. Then they just said it's not aliens. <laughs> right. Calm down, people. It is not aliens. And so the final explanation that we have um, is that it's possible that there are we are finding more objects in the sky mm-hmm. because there are more objects in the sky. Yeah, yeah. So it's entirely possible that this is basically like a, a a raptor testing the fences. Sure. And that you have governments, China, Russia, who are basically trying to test the U.S.'s surveillance capabilities, their detection and uh, counteractive capabilities. Yeah. 
And so they're just putting crap into our sky to just, just to see, see like up. what gets through and what, what can you doesn't. get away with. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well, after that Super Bowl performance uh, at halftime last week, there's going to be even more objects in the sky. Diamonds. Like diamonds in the sky. <laughs> there you go. You got, you got it. I got yeah. it. I got it. <laughs> or just Rihanna on one of those platforms. I mean, yes, actually. <laughs> uh, sir, we need to abort. We are going to shoot down Rihanna. She is floating on a platform. Do not use the word abort. The woman is pregnant. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just what they say for missions, you know? Um, yeah. So it's it's entirely possible that this is... Um, that this is various governments um, basically trying to gather intelligence on our capabilities. And they're saying, well, now's the time to do it. Um, Or they've always been gathering that, you know, on our capabilities. The other thing that is entirely possible is that they are just sky trolls. Sure. And so that they're saying, like, they know now that we are hyper aware, we are having to chase our tails Mm -hmm. basically over every little thing. And so they're just sending random garbage into the sky and every single thing they know is to scramble or all of our fighter jets or whatever. Yes. To scramble the fighter jets, to get Republicans pissed off, to have the news talking about it. Like it's, it's absolutely possible that they, these do nothing. I just want the balloons to have black lives matter written on them. So the Republicans (laughs) heads explode. Oh my God. They're woke balloons. (laughs) Um, yeah, that would be that would be hilarious. Uh, just they have the word Antifa. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So so, anyways, um, yeah, it is um, definitely definitely a thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of conclusive uh, things to say about that. <laughs> I would love to see the chart of U.S. presidents and the number of balloons over America that they were ordered Ooh. to shoot out of the sky. Oh, ordered to shoot out. I thought you were going to say just number of balloons over America. And I'm like, well, there's probably a, a moment in the late 1800s, early 1900s where you had a lot of presidents on hot air balloons for like like Wizard of Oz style press events or whatever. It's like, hello, everyone. That seems I'm unsafe. Teddy Roosevelt here to talk to you today about the national parks, and I'll be venturing to you from my hot air balloon. Is okay. this what you think Teddy Roosevelt no, sounds not, like? No, I'm just, I, I, was try, I was actually doing like the Wizard of Oz voice, but uh-huh. then saying Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know. Gotcha. Well, so I, I think that, yeah, I, I think that like, how many, how many balloons did all the other presidents ordered to be shot down by Zero. F-16s. Also, these three balloons were shot down by F-16s. The third balloon was also shot down by an F-16 as yeah. well. So. We don't know about in their private lives, though. Like, maybe, like, Michelle brought in a bunch of, like, balloons for a birthday, and Brock was like, get those out of here. Pop them. Maybe instead of sporting clays, they just use balloons. <laughs> there you go. The George W. Bush, <laughs> uh, Dick Cheney presidency. He was trying to shoot a balloon, shot his friend in the face, you know. Well... <laughs> Going from problems in the sky to problematic faves. Uh, Let's talk a little Top Gun, Maverick. Wait, okay. Is Maverick the problematic fave or is Tom Cruise the problematic fave? Oh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. In your scenario. Tom Cruise, for sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) He's very, he's so charming. I forgot about the other stuff. That's the thing. Like you watch a movie and you're like, this guy's good. He's It's a great actor. He's so charming. Yeah, charming and and, and he runs so well. Yeah, good runner. Uh, (laughs) Very. He's he's got a good sense of timing and comedy as well as action stuff. Yep. But uh, boy, just uh, don't ever think about him as a person. (laughs) Well, and you know what? I think I'd imagine that a lot of people in their minds have probably just said like, whatever. But he just he jumped on a couch. A couple of That's times. what a lot of people would say. Like, yeah, he's a little weird. He doesn't believe in like psychiatry, jumped on a couch, uh, is a Scientologist, whatever that means. But like what that actually means is like pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> right. 
Right. Uh, But anyway, so this film, uh, fun fact, is a sequel to a movie from the 1980s called Top Gun. No. Yeah. Also starring Tom Cruise. Can you believe it? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'll drop that (laughs) shtick. The the only point I wanted to make about that was um, they've been working on this sequel for quite some time. Um, initially, you know, Top Gun came out, they were like, doing a sequel doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, Hollywood became what it is today, and they're like, oh, we have to make a sequel out of everything. Right. And so, in the mid-2010s, uh, the producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, actually, this is probably the early 2010s, uh, producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, and uh, director of the original, Tony Scott, uh-huh. uh, started to look into producing a sequel, and they actually reached out to a guy by the name of Christopher McQuarrie. So you might know him because he's the most recent director of like the Mission Impossible franchise. Okay, I was and like, has, I know the name. Yeah, and has you've worked said with it. he's worked with Tom Cruise quite mm-hmm. a bit. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. This was like you know before they had done a lot of that that mm-hmm. he uh, he started on this project. Um, if it, he didn't actually get the to be hired at that point. They brought in some other people, um, and then it, production stalled in 2012 when uh, unfortunately Tony Scott uh, passed away. Oh, okay. so he. Um, that kind of put a, a kibosh on it. Jerry Bruckheimer went forward with trying to find a team to write. He hired this guy by the name of Justin Marks. Um, and what I think was interesting is that um, at that point in time, this was 2014, he was trying to think about like the modernization of the Air Force and yeah. the Navy and stuff like that, of our, our fighting force, to see like, how does this work? And they were thinking like, maybe drones are replacing you know, the pilots. So this is like a mission that a pilot has to fly combating the drones. Um, uh, Justin Marks went to research uh, the, what's called the joint strike fighter, which eventually became the F 35, which mm-hmm. I'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the screenplay was by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren singer, and Christopher McQuarrie was brought back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So to, to write on this, I think largely because Tom Cruise like really trusts him as a collaborator. Right. Right. And then the other thing that I'll mention that I think was kind of cute is in 2017, uh, Val Kilmer uh, recovered from cancer. So mm-hmm. he's cancer-free. Okay. Um, and he had a campaign on his Facebook page to reprise his role in Top Gun. Aww. And so by June 2018, uh, they reported that he would actually appear in the film. And Bruckheimer and and uh, uh, the filmmakers were like saying, oh yeah, we should bring him back. But apparently Tom Cruise was the one who was really pushing for it. I Okay, I don't know anything about Val Kilmer's cancer yeah. i know was there okay there was a documentary that came out mm-hmm. called val yep a while i've not seen it yet but, i haven't seen it either yeah. so i was going to ask you but <laughs> yeah i was going to ask you if that was basically about that um, i think it's large parts yeah but also covers his career yeah, yeah. is his cancer was it of the throat yes okay so that's why they didn't have him really speaking that's right yeah okay yeah um, I, I think that it certainly severely impacts his ability to act and and whatnot, right. um, given the surgery and recovery and stuff. But mm-hmm. it was great that he he did he was able to reprise the role in the film. Oh, okay. Because I was like, that's an interesting choice to give him cancer, but I also understand why it makes sense in terms of the plot to have him to yeah. have his character die. In, in terms of, like, moving the plot forward or, like, removing his guardrails, essentially. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, or his protector. Um, yep. So I, I, I understood that. But, I um, yeah, there's, there's interesting decisions that I think were made throughout this film that I'm very curious to hear from you about, like, why they made those. So that's definitely sure. one of them. Yeah. So, and then the other thing that I uh, wanted to mention, just in terms of production, 
is the director, Joseph Kaczynski. Um, he, uh, there's a pattern in Tom Cruise's late life uh, career, which is he works with people that he's worked with before. So Kaczynski uh, was the director on a movie called Oblivion, which I think you would like. It's not a great film, but it's like mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty solid film. Is and, Emily Blunt in that? Um, no, it's some other so. lady. It's a different other, yeah, it's another lady. Um, okay. I've uh, seen parts of it. Melissa Leo, I think, is in there as part of it. And there's some other lady who's uh, like skinny and good looking, but I forget who she is. Could be Emily Blunt. Brown hair. So he, he directed that, which again- Worked with Tom Cruise in the past, so Tom Cruise is like, great, I'll work with you again in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did Tron Legacy, and then another movie that came out last year called Spiderhead, which I think is a Netflix uh, uh, Christopher Chris Hemsworth film. Okay, uh, definitely just sounds like the name of a movie my my five year old, our five year old, would make up. That's right. You're a Spiderhead. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna have a movie. It's called Spiderhead. Yeah. And then on Oblivion, uh, the the DP was this guy Claudio Miranda, and he uh, is also the DP on this. Um, I only bring him up because he did, he, he has a really interesting background in that he's directed for two very visual directors. Um, one, he did the life of Benjamin Button with David Fincher and he did the life of Pi with Ang Lee. Mm-hmm. So the guys got a, quite a bit of talent. And I think you see that in this film, like the cinematography here should have been nominated for best picture just because of the amount of stuff they had to do to capture this kind of footage. I think the, yeah, I mean like the, 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 Every single aspect of this film yeah. is quality, Yeah, you yeah. know? And I think that you have somebody like Tom Cruise who has been working in this industry for 50 years. Ooh, I don't yeah. know, 45 80s, years. Yeah. Um, and, and has been successful over and over and over again mm-hmm. at choosing product projects yeah. that have, you know, that, that succeed and, and at the box office and, and that are good projects, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so it's not surprising that if he is brought on where he has so much control, like so much leverage that he's going to make good choices. Yeah. He was a producer he, on the film. He, yeah. Yeah. Um, so do we want to talk broad strokes of the plot real quick before we get into sort of anything else or? Yeah, let's okay. do, I mean, yeah. So uh, spoiler. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> hey, the good guys win. <laughs> right. Um, so the film opens with uh, Tom Cruise at a secret uh, project in the Nevada desert. And he is flying a plane called the Dark Star. They are basically trying to get up to Mach 10 in this supersonic jet. But on this day... He's supposed to be get to Mach nine, right? It's a test day. Mach like eventually, 10. he's supposed to get yeah, to Mach ten. Yeah, two months later, it's supposed to be Mach ten. Um, but as he arrives, they say, "Look, the project's being shut down." General Ed Harris, who whose name I don't remember in the movie, but like Kane or something, is Ed Harris. Uh, he's awesome, and so he shows up and he's like, "You can't do this. I'm taking your money and mo- moving it to the drone projects." And Tom Cruise is saying, "Like, look, we can still just fly this thing, and we can get to." Um, the Mach 10 today prove that the program exists, right? Or is, is good, good right. to go. And so they, they fly it. He goes to uh, Mach 10 as, you know, they're watching him. It's great. Right. Really great cinematography. Looks good. A great way to, it's like a good cold open for the movie, right? I, yeah, I think it's a good way to... To, to do a couple of things that establishes his character for any for anybody who hasn't seen yeah. <laughs> the original. Right. Um, it is obviously establishes his character and all of the things that, you know, they, he's still doing the Maverick thing. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. Still, he's still a Maverick. And it catches everybody up in a very short amount of time on where he is yeah. in life and his career. Yep. 
And it's shot in such a way that like you get that anxiety from watching those numbers creep up on the dial. Right. Even though you know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know they're not going to kill him off in the first five minutes yeah. of the movie because yeah. of the posters. Right. Like, and, and you, you even probably knew the story beats. You probably knew he was going to get to 10. But like, as he was walking to the plane, the guy was like, it's 10 Maverick, not 10.1, not 10.2. Right. So you knew he was going to try and push it. Right. And then you knew that it was going to go badly because he's Maverick. And you knew that was going to result in the opening of like, this is prologue. And then you're going to get act. Here's the thing. You don't hire the dude whose call sign is Maverick Maverick (laughs) and expect him to follow all the rules. You would be a fool. Yes, that's right. Uh, You would be a jester. (laughs) Boo. All right. Uh, There. Yeah. There are no call sign names. Jester in here. There Uh, are in the first one, though. I was just kidding. He's he's not in this one. Well, I'm just saying it was was a throwback. I know. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so th- he, he explodes, uh, the, the plane, <laughs> very expensive. Right. Um, and Ed Harris, survives. yeah, Ed Harris, he survives cause parachutes, I guess. Uh, I actually don't know if you eject from a plane going Mach 10, like, doesn't it just tear your skin from your bones? But I actually don't know the physics behind I, that. I, I imagine, yeah. you know, it's going Mach 10, things start blowing up. You just sort of let your, let it glide until, uh. Until it slows down. No, because it boomed. It kabloomed. Big old explosion in the sky. Oh, yeah. Watch it again. You're not sitting in that plane after it starts to fall apart. Anyway, point being. uh, Maybe it was just the back part of it that kabloomed. Yeah, he gets gets basically fired by uh, Ed Harris, but Ed Harris says, you can't, I can't fire you because Admiral Kaczynski stood up for you, and he wants you back over here at Top Gun. The school. So they also really quickly, they had a, a really great moment in the diner where he walks in after yes. he's like landed and he's just covered in like dust and debris. And, and like shell shocked and chugs it, with a big glass of water. Yeah. And like everybody's just looking around. It could be any, any time, right? Yeah. The diner could be in the 1950s and just everybody. And um, it's just very, it's a very funny moment. Yeah. And I think that it does another thing too, where it sets up, it sets, it set me up at least to say, Oh, this is going to be well written. Also, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, like this is this is this is going to be fun yeah. and, and funny. Yeah, I think the the dialogue is pretty bad in large parts of this movie. You think so? Uh, in the Jennifer Connelly parts, uh, but the overall like the story structure is good, and and like they do have beats like that where it's like this is humorous, right? Uh, they do another one later where like if Maverick shoots you down, you have to do 200 pushups. Mm-hmm. And so like one of the guys is doing 200 pushups and the other like recruits and the Top Gun school, like go like do a selfie while he's doing pushups. Mm-hmm. And then it immediately cuts to them getting shot down and all three of them doing pushups. And the guy's like, selfie's not so funny now, is it? That's right. So, so th- yeah, they got, they have beats. They have, they have moments for sure. Um, so anyway, Maverick is sent to Top Gun uh, and uh, he meets John Hamm, uh, Cyclone. I believe his name is Bernie. Nope. Sorry. Uh, Bo Simpson. Okay. Call sign cyclone. Um, and he uh, he says, look, you're not my first choice. You're not even my second choice. You're not even on the list, Maverick. But somebody up there is looking out for you. It's Iceman. Uh, Val Kilmer's character mm-hmm. from the original movie. And uh, so he, he has to teach these kids. They present him with a problem. Basically, the story structure from here on out is here is an unflyable, unsurvivable mission. You have three weeks to train these cadets from previous iterations of Top Gun uh, to fly this and succeed, and then we're done. I yeah. do love that they walked him all the way through it, and he was like, boy, I don't know who I would trust to be my other pair of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, 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 you're not flying this. You are teaching them. Uh, and so here are the top 12 uh, recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that 
group of 12. Uh, we have uh, Miles Teller playing Bradley Bradshaw, a.k.a. Rooster, who is the son of Goose, uh, Maverick's former wingman, who mm-hmm. died in Maverick's arms, I guess, in the first Top Gun in the uh, water. I mean, I think that... He died it, before that. Whatever. It was before that, but he, like, uh, he, you know, held them in his arms until he was taken out of the water. Yeah. And so there are also others. Um, there's Natasha Trace, a.k.a. Phoenix, uh, Robert Bob Floyd, which is another funny moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruben Payback Fitch, Mickey Fanboy Garcia, Jake Hangman Saracen, who is like the uh, doing the Iceman thing this time. He's like the big bad or the, the bad antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, Glenn Powell, who plays him, says he's kind of like Navy Draco Malfoy, which I don't understand that reference, but maybe yeah. you do. Um, I mean, Draco Malfoy is just like the kind of slimy bad, bad kid. Gotcha. Um, there's also call signs, Omaha, Fritz, Halo, Coyote, Harvard, and Yale. None of those people get a lot of screen time. I will just say this. Do you know who plays, uh, Fritz? Did you recognize this character? I don't, I don't recall. No. It's Jason from The Good Place, Manny Jacinto. Oh, I did not even, I didn't even see that. But, oh, here's a fun fact. My grandfather, according to the U.S. Navy, uh, is misnamed in their system as Robert Bob. Oh, interesting. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so now he's in this movie, he gets credit. That's right, Robert Bob in the Navy. (laughs) Yeah. So there are two things I want to bring up about this cast of characters. And then there's, uh, one other thing I'll bring up about airplanes before we move on with the plot. That's okay. All right. So in this cast, we have, um, basically these 12 pilots and the ones who actually are shown in airplanes flying had to go through the training of a uh, of a naval academy like graduate or whatever okay. for surviving a fighter jet, which means they had to do underwater training. Mm-hmm. So they were in these big tanks where they would like flip you upside down, and you had to disconnect yourself, like uh, find your exit, and get out of there, and like swim to the surface. You had to hold your breath for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you had to like water crawls underneath water, holding ropes and stuff. Really like rigorous, impressive training. Um, and so they had three months to do all this stuff. And then in addition to that, like Tom Cruise himself apparently designed like three months worth of, uh, of resources for them to like go through, which the first it started with him flying Cessnas. So some of the actors even got their pilot's license. Um, so they would fly a Cessna, which is a, a commuter plane, like a, a small you know, individual okay. uh, or two person plane. Um, they then graduated to some other plane. I don't remember the name of, but it was like a a jet powered plane. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they flew that. I think someone flew it, but they would do, you know, barrel rolls and dives and stuff like that. And there's plenty of footage on YouTube of this that I can link to of like some of the actors just being like, (laughs) like, I would love, yeah, I would love to think like, yeah, I've got my body is, is, strong. I'm able bodied like ish, Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, um, getting up there, but I'm not, I'm no Tom Cruise. Sure. Um, but, after our recent trip to Disney <laughs> and how I felt after the Guardians ride, the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, yeah. a couple of the other rides yeah. um, that are for children. Yep. I don't think I would do very well yeah. in some of these situations. <laughs> yes. That it seems uh, intense and uh, bad. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't think I would pass out, but I think I would throw up everywhere. So then I'd just be conscious and covered and throw up. That's right. Yep. I think that's right. 
Uh, I I would definitely throw up. Uh, I just get nauseous from like leaning over too far backwards and stuff yeah. nowadays. Maybe I wouldn't throw up, but I would get very sick. I don't throw up very easily. Mm. Knock on wood. I, I've only thrown up a handful of times in my life. Mm. Um, so it's it takes it takes a lot. Okay. For me, I have a pretty strong stomach, but I think I would get very ill. Well, let me get TC on the phone. We'll get you into an airplane and see what we can do. All right, let's uh, do it. So the uh, also, of course, he came up with his own. Of course, of course, he came of up with his course. own thing. I'm sure that he also was the one who required every single person that be shot in the like has to be shot for realism. Yeah, yeah. Has to go through oh, the no, training. That's that's right. Yeah. So hundred percent, this was him being like, "Oh, you want to be in my movie? Yeah, you got to be a badass actor. Yeah. like a me." But the other thing is, like he said in one of the interviews that I was watching, he says like. This has to look, you have to be able to experience like this as though it is a real like fighter jet. Right. Like this is not uh, CG because you can't fake like the the face, the skin on your face being pushed back when you're hitting like, you know, 10 G's or whatever, right. 9 G's. Um, and so, yeah, the, the actual actors were sitting in the second seat of a plane that was being piloted by a, a naval air force or I'm sorry, a naval pilot. And so they were experiencing between four and eight G's, depending on the maneuvers that they were doing, sometimes extended for a minute, a minute and a half. Like I, I, I feel like if you are the, the casting director, mm -hmm. you kind of have to bring in the fighter jets pretty early mm. in the process. Like you don't want to sign somebody on and then like sign contracts and everything like that. And then turns out they throw up every time they get on screen. Yeah. Or yeah. in front of the camera. Well, the thing it was funny. Um, one of the guys, uh, or the, one of the guys who was doing the training said, we expected that somebody would drop out <laughs> yeah. we, and nobody did like everybody stuck through it. So yeah. they were, they were tough. They did, did a good job. I do also recognize the woman. She was in a show that I watched on NBC that was around for like one or two seasons called like breaking up together. Okay. Monica yeah. Barbaro. Uh, yeah. She was the like, baby mama teacher okay. um uh, it, it started um pam from the office oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i remember that show i, I hated it. that show you that hated it awful i watched the first season and she shows up at the end gotcha and, um anyways yeah uh she's a lot meeker of a character in that show gotcha than in this gotcha gotcha well the so that that is basically like the I, I just wanted to cover and touch on the training a little bit because i do think it's pretty incredible like what they did and mm -hmm. then the other part of that is they, um, the actors who were in the, the F-18s that they shot in yeah. had to manage the camera system themselves. So they had like IMAX grade cameras inside, mounted inside of the machine, mm -hmm. of the, the airplane. Um, and they had to insert their own like memory cards, flip the switch to turn everything on. And in the plane, they had to direct themselves. Like they were like, okay, here's where my eyeline should be. Here's how, what I should be experiencing this moment. Like they couldn't communicate with the director because they're in a fucking <laughs> fighter jet. Right. And so they had to figure that out themselves. And then they couldn't review the footage until they landed. Mm -hmm. So they would fly, I think for like an hour, 90 minutes at a time, and then come back and review all the footage. And all the actors would watch everyone's performance so they could figure out eyelines and how to respond to what the other person was doing and stuff it seems in intense and insane but looks incredible so in do practice. they get credit for like camera operation or no, anything like that so. in no. the just like the little line like you know scrolling by no i don't believe they do okay no i think that's just they because they didn't operate so much as like flip a switch and turn it on right, right miles teller did say that there was a button on there you could push to erase the entire footage from the memory card and that he was the one who did that by accident so that every, <laughs> everyone learned not to push that button oh there you go um, here's the one button that you don't yeah, push yeah 
But they they had, and then, so there were three ways that they filmed the aerial scenes, right? So they had cameras on the ground uh-huh. that would film the um, jets as they went by. Uh-huh. They had cameras on planes that would film uh, from, you know, the air mm-hmm. side by side. And then they had the in the in the dash uh, cameras that would film the actors in right. the cockpit. And so th- that was how they managed to do that, um, to get each of the versions of, you know, what they were trying to get. Um, there was one other way that they did the, typically if you're on an aircraft and you're filming other aircraft, mm-hmm. it looks very smooth, you know, mm-hmm. and they wanted to see the action, right, in the battle scenes and stuff like that. So they had to come up with other ways for that camera system to be utilized. And so they would do it on, I think, uh, helicopters and they would use like different kinds of rigs and systems and stuff. When you say they wanted to see the action, you made a little hand gesture where your hand went back and forth. What is action? So if you're looking at a, if you're on an aircraft, looking at another aircraft, it looks like it's just flying, right? Right. Like like floating almost. It's Mm -hmm. not really like zooming or darting. And the action I mean is like, these planes go fast as hell, right? And you right. want to see that speed. And you want to mm-hmm. see when they bank, you want to see like the the wind blow and stuff. Like like you want to see like action, right? Things that are moving, happening, okay. doing so not just like floating the same speed as everything. Right. And so in order to do that, they had to rig the systems differently on other uh aerial devices and stuff. I, gotcha. I will I will share the there's a really good video of somebody like showing the camera setups for all of this stuff. It's like really cool. Mm-hmm. So if you're a camera nerd like me. Sure. Um, so anyway, the reason, so I mentioned airplanes earlier, very quickly, the reason they're using F-18s, uh, is briefly explained in the movie. I don't even actually remember what it is, but there's Mm -hmm. a point where Maverick is being asked to describe how you would, you know, do this mission. He says, well, you know, naturally we could use the F-35 stealth to get down here, but except for blah, 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 it doesn't let us do that. So we have to use F-18s to go through this Canyon. Uh, and I just wanted to mention (laughs) <laughs> the F-35 is a very expensive piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will cite my sources. Mm-hmm. So uh, according to extremetech.com, lovely URL, mm-hmm. uh, but there is a report uh, of the U.S. Air Force um, identifying that the F-35 is not doing what it's supposed to do. So um, Air Force Chief of Staff General Charles Q. Brown uh, said uh, in front of Congress, I want to moderate how much we're using those aircraft, referring to the F-35. You don't drive your Ferrari to work every day. You only drive it on Sundays. This is our high end. We want to make sure that we don't use it all for low end fight. Uh, We don't want to burn up capacity now and wish we had it later. The problem with that statement is the F-35 was developed to be a multi-purpose sort of all-use machine. Mm -hmm. So it was going to replace basically all of the aircraft Mm -hmm. in in, in fighter jets, in the Air Force, the Navy, and the Marines. Um, And it's been completely unable to do that. So its mission-capable rate as of 2021 was 69%, nice, below the 80% benchmark uh, that is set by the military. Only 36% of the F-35 fleet is available for dispatch, which is well below the 50%. When you say available for dispatch. That they can actually use. Like, so there are, there are problems with the engines, there are problems with the guns, there's problem with the stealth uh, coating on the plane. <laughs> so, um, so pro- I'll give you an example, right? Mm. So in 2021, problems included faster than expected engine wear. Uh, there is transparency delamination of the cockpit. And there were also unspecified issues with the power module. A couple other things that popped up, which were, uh, you know, not great. 
is that the there was a problem with the stealth coating, which would just like peel off if you were going supersonic. <laughs> uh, there was a problem sustaining supersonic flight. Um, the helmet-mounted displays would would break and um, show green lines across the display. Uh, there was excessive bi- vibration from the cannon. So you actually, in one of the versions of the F-35, you could not shoot the main gun. Okay. And uh, there was, of course, <laughs> the very funny vulnerability of it being hit by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so don't uh, go into a firefight against Storm. That That's right. That's right. You would lose uh, against the X-Men. You'd probably also lose against the X-Men anyway, but um, there, there was a, a series of issues even as as recent as this year. So in in January the 4th, the, um, ground, the F-35 fighter was grounded again because the uh, engines, they were called the F-135 engines, uh, had a... Uh, basically a breakdown that caused one of their tests to crash. The The pilot had to eject mm-hmm. before it being exploded. Um, and the government accountability office reported that Pratt Whitney delivered only six of the 152 engines on time, primarily due to issues that required resolution before the engines could be accepted by the government. Um, and so in spite of all that, the government is still funding the program <laughs> in 2021. Uh, the A non-public report from the Pentagon said that the F-35 showed engineers are still trying to correct 845 design flaws. Their challenge is compounded by the fact that new problems are discovered almost as fast as the known flaws are fixed. Cool. So this, and then finally, um, this year, also in January, um, they decided that because they could not get the F-35s into production and into the field as fast as they had hoped... They have to keep the F-16s on, you know, going mm. in order to, uh, like, have airplanes. <laughs> cool. In order just to be able to fly airplanes. Um, and so uh, the F-35s also cost about $100 million a piece, and they have still not been approved for full rate production because of all of these issues. So, in theory, really cool, really great plane, fifth generation fighter. In practice... Big piece of shit. How much money have we taken away from school children to put into this project? I don't know the amount that we've spent so far mm-hmm. on it. It is in the hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm sorry, hundreds of billions of dollars. Excuse yeah. me. With a B. Uh, but the expected lifetime cost mm-hmm. of uh, the production of the F-35 is $1.7 trillion. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. I'm just thinking about how we could house all the homeless people and feed all the hungry children yeah. Yeah. in America. Here's what I, here's the only thing I, I don't really give a shit if we pay for expensive fighter jets, really. Like, I mean, it's not great, but like, whatever. Um, what I don't want to hear is anyone in Congress who continues to fund the Pentagon and specifically this program and say, but how are we going to pay for fill in the blank? Nobody has ever asked, how are we going to pay for the F-35? Where do we get that money from? What are we not spending this money on in order to pay for the F-35? Hey, we don't want we don't hey. want to approve the budget. Yeah. We don't want to um up the debt the debt ceiling limit. Well, we can't increase our debt. We we don't want to we want to do that, but also we don't want to cut this garbage program. Right. I just wanted to mention that because, sure. you know, uh it's important for us to realize 
one of the one of my theses for this film. Mm. This film fucking rules. Sorry, it's a great movie. Sorry mm-hmm. for cursing. And it's engaging, entertaining, amazing. The photography is fantastic. The editing is super super good. Like mm-hmm. everything works really well. But it is based on the foundation of the fact that we need these planes for like something in in defense of this country or whatever. But in this movie, you even asked me. You were like, "Who's the bad guy in this movie? Like, who's enriching uranium? Is it like?" Iran? And I'm like, no, they never say. They never say who the enemy is. Is located in like a snowy mountain, so it's certainly not like Iran. Um, they never say who the enemy is. We never see bad guys. We do. Well, in the in the other plane, we see like we see two, them in the other plane. But we, like when they strike the the base, fully the facility. covered up. We never see the skin color That's of right. the other bad That's guys. That's right. Yep. Correct. Although, although they are not covered up in the F-16, right. and you can see their skin. Of, of Tom Cruise and yeah, Ross Teller, yeah, yeah. which is white, and they are of the belief that they will pass for whatever that's, their skin that's color true. Yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the 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 larger point is like they're not saying like it, it, so many more movies basically since the end of like the Iraq War, like it, middle of the Iraq, mm-hmm. Iraq War is like look at the terrible things that war does. Look at what it makes us. Look at how we kill other people. Shouldn't we reckon with this? And this movie is maybe the first war movie I've seen since then. That's not even a war movie, but it's like it's the first movie I've seen that says it doesn't matter who we shoot. This is just fun. It's a it's a Call of Duty game basically. Yeah, I mean it's basically because they're blowing up like a nuclear facility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it is basically saying, like, how do we have a villain but not vilify anyone? Right. Right. How do we have a bad guy but still have um, a market in the Chinese box office? Right. How do we have a mission with no consequences? Right. Yeah. So, and, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say, and and you know, I think that the the thing that they had in the first movie, yeah, is actually interesting because at that point it's just like it's just war games. Yep, yep right. Yep. There's no there's no real stakes, right, in the first movie except for at the like very very end. I right, think. right. Um, where what happens at the very end of the first movie? They, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think he shoots down a couple of MIGs or something, but like, right. I yeah. mean, so they say MIGs, right? And so yeah. I guess it's implied that. It's not implied. In the first movie, it is the Russians because we're Russians. in the middle of, you know, post-Cold War era or in, in the Cold War era. So um, I think that it's, it was easier to have a villain, a specific villain. Right. Right. Um, Why was it just because it was Cold War? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. We knew who the baddies were. They were the Russians. Yeah. Well, speaking of Russian giants, yeah. or speaking of Russians, there is another news story that came out literally like today or, or yesterday okay. that has to do with Russians. Sure. Um, I guess there were four Russian aircraft that included a fighter jet and a bomber that flew into a buffer zone um, of the international airspace near Alaska uh, on Monday. So I guess, what, three days ago for yeah. us. And um, it had to be intercepted by... F-16 fighter jets. Um, and they had to be like escorted uh, basically back to where they huh. belong. Well. Although this was something that is, according to uh, according to the U.S. Air Force, this is something that is a routine encounter. It's not related to anything that has to do with anything that was shot down <laughs> Great. <laughs> recently. Um, and the... It, it was, I guess, according to NORAD, one of half a dozen yearly interactions between Russian and NORAD aircraft in cool. the Alaska Air Defense Identification Zone. They're just like drunk and like flying around. Hey, where are we, comrade? Uh, this is Alaska. 
Right. It's uh, it, it's strange. I guess they just sort of like hang out in that <laughs> zone and they don't enter the airspace over America yeah. or Canada, but um, just peeking. But then you just have other planes that sort of get scrambled and go and like intercept them yeah. and just be like, yeah, you can't be here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. You got to get out. So that's that's kind of the closest that we get to yeah. uh, to, to Russians. And it's actually kind of similar to what goes on in the first in the, in the first beginning one, yeah. of the first yeah, movie. Yeah. So speaking of the first movie, one of the things that we see in this movie mm-hmm. is we got to got to got to get a montage. We got to do the training montage. Sure. And in this, Maverick is trying to teach these kids like how to fly and not by the book, right? He's teaching them. He throws the book in the trash. <laughs> That's right. And so he says, look, you got to learn your limits and all this kind of stuff. So he like, he pushes them and he flies in between their planes. He like flies upside down over top of uh, Miles Teller's character, uh, Rooster, at mm-hmm. one point. Um, and they do this big like serpentine like snake all the way to the ground which i'm like that sounds very dangerous that look yeah they're literally just diving yeah. toward the ground yeah um it, it is it, it it feels very dangerous yeah some of the stuff obviously in the film is cg um the the when dark star that at the beginning flies mm. that's not a real plane at the very end uh, when they're like trying to escape after they crash mm-hmm. after they complete the mission but they crash and they have to get out of there uh, rooster and, and maverick uh, they fly an F-14. There are no working F-14s in the United States anymore. They were all decommissioned. Um, the only working ones mm-hmm. are now in Iran, of all places. Right. Can't use those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not going to let us borrow those. And so uh, we ended up uh, just, they ended up finding one at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. Oh. And they like just got it working enough to be able to like push it. And then like it's CG in the air. That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Okay. That's that's so funny. Um, I mean, I loved I loved all of the throwbacks. And I think that you even told me before, like when you saw this movie when it first came out yeah. and I just was too busy. I didn't have time to see it. Yeah. Um, and you told me that, that it had all of these various different like references and it just it gives audiences what they expect to see. Yeah in a sequel to an iconic film like Top Gun. And I actually think it's better than the original Top Gun because the first one is like all aerial spectacle and like Tony Scott, who's got like this really, you know, frenetic style of shooting things. And it's Mm. like, it's got charming moments and it's got good acting and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, it's kind of a a popcorn movie for sure. This one mixes in like that pathos with like, uh, you know, Goose, uh, or sorry, Goose's son, Mm -hmm. Rooster like hating Maverick for and blaming him for his father's death. Right. Um, Maverick having this responsibility to like try and protect Rooster. Um, and he promised like, like he, he pulled Rooster's papers, you know, uh, right. quote unquote, which means like he, he just pulled took, him out of the program, took years off of his uh, career and in, in Top Gun and stuff like that, because his mom played by Meg Ryan in the original um, is now dead, but she pro- made him promise like, I don't want my son to die the same way that my husband died. So, like, there's that, like, emotional connection there. I think a lot of that stuff plays out really well and adds layer and texture to the performance, but also to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's a better version of that story than it could have been if it were just, like, we're just doing another run, you guys, you know. They tell a really, no, they tell a really great story. They also do a very good job at the very beginning where I was, 
as we were heading into the film, I was thinking to myself, oh, should I have watched the first one so I know right, right, about right. the second one? That's probably fine that I didn't. And yeah. then we get into it and they do a couple of very like uh, well-timed flashbacks yeah, yeah, yeah. of what happened with Goose and right. also his son. And like the yeah. son actually was in the first one yep, and yep. they're playing that song on the piano. Yeah. And they do a really great job of pulling that in, pulling at your heartstrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So standing outside watching them sing um, and play the piano. Miles Teller learning instruments and songs for a movie once again. Right, right, right. Yep. Yep. As he did for Whiplash with the drums. He's one of those people speaking of problematic faves. I think he's, I don't know enough about him. I know he's like an anti-vaxxer, but I, I think he's probably anti-vaxxer from like the too hippie side rather than the too like conservative side. I don't know. I just, I, I, he just, he strikes me as he looks like he would be a giant dick. Sure. Yeah. Well, most um, famous people are a person. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in my mind, I'm like, I think that there've been like bad things and I don't recall exactly what it is, but like just him being an anti-vaxxer was kind of enough. And then, right. 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 You know, especially during the height of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not going to shame him. He does a great job in this movie and he right. does look like he could be, uh, uh, Goose's son, like for sure. He, they do, a, they do an excellent job. Like, you know, my personal feelings of him aside, yeah. right. They do an excellent job of casting. He yeah. is a fantastic choice for this role. And he absolutely looks like he could be, um, the son of Goose yep. and, uh, and, the every single person in that like football scene is so ripped. Yeah, yeah. They definitely all got there like, okay, nobody's allowed to drink water for two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need you to all not eat anything and we're just gonna slim down, tighten up, do a football scene. I mean, I imagine yeah. it's not even like a two-day preparation. I'm I imagine if I'm a if I'm an actor yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm signed on for Top Gun, yeah, I am doing full like hiring, working with a trainer. I am expecting that I'm going to have to have something equivalent to the volleyball scene. Getting that, that HGH I'm, going. Yeah, probably. Yeah. They all look like they yeah. have. Uh, the, the good thing that these yeah. guys probably and girls probably experience is like, it's not the Marvel thing where you have to be like Captain America and like comic book size muscles. Yeah. They're supposed to be kind of lean. And even though they're in shape, they're not like massive. Right. And so they probably did, they're, they're working actors and actresses, so they probably are in pretty good shape. Yeah. They probably have to do some training and they had that three month program. So they're probably, you know, in still in shape from that. Um, and I'm, but I'm just saying like, in order to look good on the beach at sunset, yeah. you gotta like, you gotta cut that water weight. You gotta oil up, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh absolutely. They, they were all, it just, it seems like a lot of pressure. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But they all um, met the yeah. clear, cleared the bar, yeah. I guess. Of of they all got know, to play the football, living game. up to the iconic yeah. scene from the first film. Can we briefly discuss uh, two sided football as a two way at the same time? It's basically, I don't, just chaos. I don't understand <laughs> what the rules were. <laughs> Who was on whose team? <laughs> I think it was just uh, we're, we're not supposed to know. It's just supposed to be like check out this scene. We got some music. We got some people throwing the football. We got some abs. It is. The, That's it. It is basically the perfect setup yeah. for just having several days of people running around being very excited about catching and throwing and running with a football. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. That's, that's, that's all yeah. that it is. Yeah. Team I, building. I think this does not build teams, but that's fine because <laughs> t- teams meet to have objectives and this is not <laughs> anyway uh point being they are all 
uh, beautiful actors who get to be in on the beach in the sand with the, in San Diego. Cool the, place. Yeah. Cool, cool place. The, the interesting thing also about this, and I think throughout the movie, is there are a lot of very specific choices made mm-hmm. to either make Tom Cruise look as young as possible or mm. to obscure his age as yeah, much as possible. Yeah. Well, they only show Tom Cruise in very specific lights when he has his lighting, when he has his shirt off. Yeah. Well, so this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the shirtless thing is, is one thing, but um, you mentioned early on, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was when he first goes to the bar and meets Jennifer Connelly, yeah. whom he had had a relationship that we never know about. It wasn't in the first movie. It's just no, like, it's just like, like, since like three minutes after the first movie ends, he meets Jennifer Connelly right. and has an on and off relationship with her until this movie. Right. Um, but like he's, he's lit from the back as was Tony Scott's also like he did that in the original movie too. Yeah. So it wasn't, they, they were trying to use a lot of the cinematography practices mm. from the first movie in this one. So everything looks like it's a, uh, at a sundown, right? Right, This right. whole movie, everything <laughs> happens at sundown. Right. Um, and uh, so what they um, what they do is they use a lot of backlighting, which does, you know, decrease the wrinkles and stuff like that in mm-hmm. your face. And I think you, you mentioned the same thing for the Tom Cruise, like when he's on the beach shirtless, it's like that sun is behind him. And so you get the you get, you get that, that really nice silhouette. Yeah. You get the hint get of the some muscles. muscles. Yeah. You don't necessarily like see the fact that he's 53, which yeah. or that he's 60, which even if you did, he still looks damn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's but in great shape. Yeah. But they do a lot. Like they they don't sh- when they do show a well lit version mm-hmm. of him with his shirt off, it's from like you know just above the nipples up. Yeah, and and then he like puts his shirt on. Right, 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 right. And it, and it's just one of those things that I notice where I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Again, Tom Cruise has a lot of say. It's very similar yeah, to like yeah. the Apple box. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. And then every person that they have him standing next to him, like, and you were also cast because you're short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he, he's, he's leaned into it a little bit more as he's gotten a little older. Like there's a, a scene, a wide of him standing mm-hmm. next to Miles Teller where yeah. they're like, Miles Teller's a little taller, but he's just like, it's fine. Well, for and the, Goose was works, taller than him Right. Also. And it works for the power dynamic in that scene. Right. And so it's fine. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, the the they do the montage scene the training scene all of the stuff getting ready for it a lot of the the middle section of this movie is really impressive cool stuff happening in airplanes mm-hmm. but it's all just training for the mission right and you're seeing these actors go through pulling those you know eight g's uh there's one of uh, one of the dramatic moments is one of the pilots goes into what's called G-lock, mm. which is, I think, gravitational loss of consciousness, Yeah, which is a cool term. Yeah. I want to be able to use that in my day-to-day life, but I don't know what I would. Yeah. Um, and so the, um, you know, Tom Cruise has to go over and like, like, like aim his ship in it. Or his, uh, he basically his, like goes he, like, in. Beeps him. He, he, goes, beep, beep, beep. he gets him in his radar. And so that causes his like ah. internal monitors to say like, somebody's got you in their sights. That's right. And it okay. causes his like, it causes a noise in his right. cabin. Which wakes him up. That wakes him up. Right. It's like the only way I guess that he could like get that noise. To yeah. Go. That makes sense. That's okay. my, that's my guess. Good job. I didn't get that. I thought he had like a little uh, pew pew like <laughs> thing that he was like making a noise or something. But, I but, think it's like, oh, you're in someone's sights. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, like, that that's the dramatic point like whether people can hit this thing in the amount of time right and then uh at the the sort of end of this act they're like we lost a week they're moving up the refinement or whatever gotta up the stakes and so we, we gotta go we gotta go now like choose your team and he he decides oh what happens is i think Iceman dies maverick is sad and right. john ham's character cyclone is like Hey, take all the time you need. And by that, I mean, you're fired. I'm taking over. And we're, right. he was like changing the stuff. He's making it easier on these, uh, on the pilots. 
with the undercurrent that making it easier on them means they can strike their target, but will die. Like right, so will, John Hamm is John Hamm is a monster. Right, basically, he's like, eh, we send kids to die all the time. That's what I do, and so he is getting all this set up to tell them like, hey, you got to do it this way. And then all of a sudden, Tom Cruise steals an airplane and does the course that was supposed to be done in two and a half minutes in two minutes and fifteen seconds. That's right. And so, uh, and that scene rules. Right, and just I am just watching Tom Cruise sit in the cockpit of a plane and go. <laughs> like just that is like the best acting all year (laughs) some uh that is uh, that is some of the hardest acting that and and the reason i say this is because like if you look at a movie like independence day yeah yeah the acting by the people in those jets is is difficult like it's Mm -hmm. just it's just difficult right or even star wars or whatever like you are alone yeah box yeah you have no one and in in those in like independence day they're not real planes they're no. just like they got a projection behind and then them. i mean also will smith had like the thing over his face right you know right. they had yeah. like the the You're obscured yeah you know and so all you see is his eyes when like uh when uh, harry connick jr, harry blows, connick jr. Up. blows up and you all you see is will smith's <laughs> eyes go really big and yeah. he's like upset but he's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and his eyes bug out and that's all you see um but it's 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 difficult acting yeah. and they all do a fantastic job tom, tom cruise yeah He's Tom Cruise for yep, a reason, yep. right? And he does such a good job yeah. with that. He's also a maniac because like you watch the behind the scenes stuff and mm-hmm. they'll do, like he was the only one to take off from the aircraft carrier. Okay. Everybody else took off from like land and then they met up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took off from the aircraft carrier and like you see that happen. And then in the behind the scenes stuff, they show you a little extra, like what was happening on the other side. And he's like, yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's a maniac. And I'm like, I love it. You see, right. it comes through. Well, he's also, he's riding the motorcycle yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it's very clearly just him yep. driving into the, the hangar. Yeah. He jumped out of a window. <laughs> the man is 60 <laughs> mm-hmm. years old and he jumped out of a window from a second floor. Yeah. And again, I have to assume, like, I would have to assume that they do all of these things at the end of filming, yeah. but there's so many things to then wait until the end of filming to do. They got to do some of them in the middle of yeah, this point. Yeah, I think honestly, they probably did most of the air stuff first um, because yeah. they needed to get that that footage. And then it's kind of easy to shoot like Jennifer Connelly's house in, a, yeah. in San Diego. Just the San one Diego. scene where he's jumping out of the window. Yeah, jump, jump out the window, see the daughter. Like, uh, like, I think their sex scene was basically like, they get close to each other, it fades, and then they're just like laughing. In they're bed. just like laying in bed, laughing with clothes like, on, and then it and then it fades again, and they're yeah. laying in bed with just his shirt off. Yes, it was also an interesting choice again to like not really lean into like the sex scene aspect. He's of it. not a very good or convincing like portrayer of the romance scenes, and that's why yeah. like the stuff with Jennifer Connelly, whom I love and is a great actor. Um, I, I did not buy any of that at all. Yeah. I, the one thing I will say is that, that, that stood out to me is I am so happy that they chose someone who is roughly age appropriate. Yeah. She's 53. Yep. She, she looks fantastic. He looks fantastic, but she's only seven years younger than him. Yeah. Which is fine. Which at 53 is fine. Yeah. You know, and 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 so I was actually really happy to see that. And I nobody cares about the romance in this movie. No, not right? It is a tertiary, yeah. less than that, like it plot was, point. Yeah, it was. Uh, she gets a little bit of like fun in the movie. Like she, you know, she gets to, like smirk and smile and like 
give and then like drag him a little bit and stuff like that. Have him thrown out of the bar. She you know? is there purely for the bar scene. That's the, right. the the classic like throw the 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 callback to yep. the bar scene yep. in the in the original. That's, That's all right. that her character then, is doing. And then at the end when he's like he's like got kicked out and he needs to like have the the gumption to go and steal a plane to fly the course. Mm-hmm. She's the one who says like you got to find your own way back. Like yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. she's there for a couple of points but um but nobody cares about the romance, and nobody that's cares. fine. Yeah. And they don't treat it like it's something that people care about, and I also appreciate that. Because in the original, again, super awkward kissing scene. Yes. That yep. one kiss Real where bad. it just, like, tongues out. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, John Hamm is like, I should either kick you out of here and whatever, blah, 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 and whatever, or I should put my career on the line and let you f- be team leader and fly the plane, which we all knew was coming, <laughs> but well, still. And I have in my notes, just in ca- all capital letters, like, why can't he glide this p- again? <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> basically just, why can't he fly this again? Yeah. But I was too upset to type properly. Yeah. I, truly, I don't understand. Like, as I was going to, yeah. like, I mean, that's yeah, what they yeah, want yeah. you to think the entire time. Of course, of course. I'm I'm thinking the thing that they wanted. Well, and they they wanted you to think like he's too old, he can't do it. And then when he does it, Never they don't give a... you they give you zero time between he flies the stunt course and he is now team leader. It's like there's one scene in between there, and yeah. that is just the guy John Hamm's character making the decision that he can do it. That's it. I yeah, it's interesting though because like I, I never understood why he couldn't do it in the first place because he was the fastest man flying. But you can't trust him before that. They can't trust him. But you can trust him to teach all the impressionable young pilots. You know, I, look, <laughs> the credulity uh, knows no limits, much like Maverick. So, sure. so uh, but anyway, the third act is they fly the mission. Uh, they're dodging aircraft that are trying to intercept them. Uh, they they do complete the explosion of the enrichment facility. The most of the planes get out of there, but Maverick gets shot down. Uh, Rooster comes back mm. to blow up a helicopter that's about to ace Maverick. Don't think. Just Don't think. fly. Just go. And then uh, he gets shot down mm-hmm. and Maverick has to go. But he saves him, him first. He, yep, saves him first. And so then now they're on the ground together in this wherever snowy area. Wherever it is. <laughs> it's actually it was shot in Washington State. Um, but <laughs> they um, are trying to figure out how to get out of there. And they steal an F-14, which is what mm-hmm. Maverick flew in the original Top Gun. Throwback. Yep. And then... Uh, the two, there are two uh, or more, maybe three, I think five generation, uh, fifth generation fighters that come after them mm-hmm. and they blow up one of them with, oh, he shoots one with his uh, missile and it like, you know, is, is smoky. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's chasing after them and he like flies on one side of it. So the missile from the one that's shooting at him hits the other plane. Mm-hmm. He's like, boom, and it blows it. And he's like, one down. I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that ruled. <laughs> um, and then. To get the second plane, he like shoots it and it crashes into the side of the thing or whatever. And then they're out over the water. They think they're home free, but here comes one more plane flying mm-hmm. straight at him and uh, starts shooting at him and is going to, you know, destroy them. Uh, their shoots don't work. And Maverick's like, I'm sorry, Rooster. And all of a sudden, boom, here comes Hangman. Mm-hmm. Saves him at the last possible second because um, he learned, he learned something that you got to, you got to support your team. You can't just abandon and leave your, leave your people out to dry. That's right. And then uh, that is the basically the end of the movie. They they, they win. Uh, they go home. Everybody's safe. And then they play uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> For some reason, I think Lady Gaga was later, but she might have been at the end. Um, and that's that's the movie. That's the movie. That's it. So a couple things uh, to to cover before we wrap this episode. I said it would be a long one. We're going a little mm-hmm, long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I asked you in advance of this uh, to give me your top five. 
Tom Cruise movies. Okay. Did you put a list together? I did. Okay, I put together seven just so in case, so we don't overlap. I can sub in a few. Oh, are we not? Are we trying to not overlap? Oh no, we can overlap. That's fine. I'm just I, in case you already talk about one, I want to cover. Oh, a few okay, because I had well, I have like my top five, but I had like nine that I had to oh. whittle it down from. Okay, we'll just we'll do top fives and then. We can briefly cover what the the other four yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honorable mentions. Are we going in order of any kind? If you want to, but you don't have to. I'll go I'll go five through one for me. Okay. Am I starting? You start, yeah. <laughs> uh all right. I oh oh it's so hard. It's so hard. It's pretty hard. Um I'm going to say number five is Top Gun. Oh, the original original. Okay. Original Top Gun. Okay, right on. I did not have much of a history with that movie until we watched it together. I'd never seen it all the way through. Oh. I just saw it on like TNT and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't have that on my list, but I, I mean, it's obviously seminal. Yeah. I don't have like a, I don't have like a huge history with it, but it's just, it's one of those films that I'll yeah. come back to over and over again. If yeah. it's on, I'll absolutely watch it. I mean, kind of that's what all of these are. It's, a will I watch these, it? Yeah. Will I watch it if it's on? Will I yeah. probably be stuck watching it? Cause it's, it's just so compelling. Yeah. And then also, which ones do I, at the, toward the top of the list, which ones do I actively yeah. seek out because I enjoy them so much? Yep. So number five on my list is one that's probably on your nine. I don't know if it's on your five. Mm. Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> It is on mine. It's on my top five. But okay. Did I you write live, die, repeat? I know. I wrote day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Different movie, but okay. Yeah, okay. I was, you know what? I was folding laundry and walking it's around fine. the house. And I, <laughs> so Edge of Tomorrow is great. Um, again, uh, he's, he's sort of fish out of watery in that one, which I think mm-hmm. is like a really good mode for him to be in. Um, and just, it was a movie I had zero expectations for, but we saw it in the theater and I'm like, Wait a second, this kind of rules. <laughs> right. Yeah, we saw it when it first came out. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we had been dating for very long. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doug Lyman, good director of the, for that movie. Mm-hmm. He's done some other tr- crap, but he's that was good. Yeah, and that's actually closer to the top of my list. Okay. Um, but it was number two on my list. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What's number four for you? Number four for me is Jerry Maguire. Yeah, that's number four for me also. It's a good film. It's great, and it's endlessly rewatchable. Yes. Um, love Cuba in that film. Cuba, right? I'm sorry, Cuba. Mm. Cuba, Cuba. I think it's Cuba Gooding Jr. That's what I always hear people say. Okay. So I just say what people say. Either way, I love him in that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love his Oscar acceptance speech. That was great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love Regina King. Uh, A lot of of good actors. Renee Zellweger is fantastic. Yep. Yep. It's a whole whole thing. Yeah. I no. think it's it's great because it's a sports movie and a romantic comedy. So you got you got both. You got, they, uh, they they something for the guys and the gals. That's right. And everyone, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it convinces women they like football, convinces men they like romance. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. It's a fantastic film. All right. Well then, okay. So we both are number four. Do you want me to yeah, do my number, number three? three? Minority report. My number three too. Hey. Nice. That uh Steven Spielberg directed, mm-hmm. so I had to have it on mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just—it's a banger. Colin Farrell is great in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha Morton is yep. really good as the precog. Um, and I forget who's the the person who was chasing. Oh uh, no! Um, oh gosh, there was one other person in that movie who does a really good job that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Oh, uh, Max von Sydow, the <laughs> bad guy. Oh, okay. the old old guy. Yeah, he he plays a type, but. I a fantastic actor. They just they do such a they do such a good job 
um, I think talking about ethics and like, I, it came out when I was in college yeah. and I was a philosophy major and like oh, they yeah, played it for go. like a philosophy class about, you know, various different ethical things in it, but fantastic film. Um, and again, endlessly rewatchable. The, um, uh, written the, the, based on a short story written by Philip K. Dick, which I just bought recently. So, oh. yeah. Uh, okay. What's your number two? Uh, day after <laughs> tomorrow okay that's right that's right. that's right yeah and my number two is i'm still deciding um i'm gonna say magnolia is my number two yeah i knew magnolia was gonna be on your yeah list. paul thomas anderson mm-hmm. uh i think it was his second film no no boogie nights was the second film i'm sorry this was after boogie nights um but it is this uh you know robert altman-esque epic of intertwining stories um and and tom cruise plays this sort of like not men's rights, but like kind of like pickup artisty, uh, motivational speaker, Tony Robbins kind of guy um, who is like overly confident and like, you know, but charming, but bombastic, but also like being interviewed at this uh, place where the interviewer sort of like unravels some of his self-confidence and watching his transformation in this film, like you could, like he should have won a damn Oscar for that. It was, yeah. it, it, it was, I think what he was aiming for maybe. In that? Do you think that that was the moment that he decided he was not going to care about Oscars anymore? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, do you want to try and guess my first, my um, number one? Man, I'm going to guess. Co- I think my cocktail. number, <laughs> I was, was going to say, <laughs> I think kidding. my number one is not going to be anywhere on your list of things you're looking Probably at. Probably not. Uh, risky business. Nope. Okay. I have no idea. Interview with a vampire. Oh, right. Right. Should have known. Okay. He's yep. so good. And sure. it's also just a good film and Brad Pitt and, it's just in Kirsten Dunst, all Kirsten of Dunst the people, Christian, Christian yeah. Slater, like it just, it, it hits everything for me. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Can I try and guess your number hit one? Hit me. Okay. I'm going to guess Mission Impossible 3. No, although I do love that movie. <laughs> no, he, another movie he should have won best actor for mm. would have had to compete with his co-star in the movie for best actor uh, but from a different movie. This uh, will make sense in a second. Okay. Collateral. Oh, oh yeah. I. You know what? That wasn't even, I haven't seen it, but- um, You haven't seen Collateral? Head. Not all We the way. are going to watch Collateral. It is so good. Star, co-stars Jamie Foxx. Uh-huh. So that year, Jamie Foxx won Best Actor for Ray, mm-hmm. was nominated also for Best Supporting Actor for Collateral. I do recall that. Yeah. yeah. Good and year for Jamie Foxx. Good year for Jamie Foxx. And he, um, so so Tom Cruise would have been in Best Actor against Jamie Foxx, which mm-hmm. he probably wouldn't have won anyway. But his performance in this is better than Jamie Foxx's as Ray, I think. Yeah. I, I, maybe that take is a hot take. I don't know. But I think Ray is a little cloying now. Point being, mm. um, Collateral, directed by my, the great Michael Mann, it is a tense taught thriller the whole way through and that movie doesn't work without tom cruise and his like silver hair and his like icy cold demeanor and just like his like wicked like the the focus that he brings to all the stuff he does where he's just like overly way too intense Mm -hmm. is perfect for that character and it's it's amazing i love that movie um beautifully shot because of course the michael mann but also just like so compelling um love it number one all right. What else uh, was just honorable mentions? Just run through. Honorable mentions. Uh, a few good men. Okay. Yep. Mission Impossible, yep. the first one for me. First one for me too. I was on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And then problematic fave. Uh, I do like Last Samurai. Last Samurai was okay. Yeah. 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 And just the idea, the white savior yeah, of yeah, it yeah, all. Of course, of course. You know. And then Top Gun Maverick. Sure. Is yeah. Is up there now. I wasn't including this one on my list because we just talked about it. It's but. just like a top 
uh, Tom Cruise (laughs) films. Yeah, the only other ones I'll throw out, so Mission Impossible is also on my short list, Mm -hmm. and Days of Thunder. I grew up in the south Mm -hmm. around uh, NASCAR, and at Carowinds, there was a Days of Thunder ride, Uh, so just had a lot of that in my my childhood and it's a fun movie it's, i wouldn't say it's great but it's it's fun so very quick yeah rundown of the awards uh f- for the oscar season um first of all it was nominated for two golden globes um best motion picture drama and best original song um oh, the right, lady Gaga, Gaga. hold my hand song yeah um the one thing about that is tom cruise returned his golden globes after uh all of this like the golden globes uh had a thing happen a couple years ago where um, it came out like who the voting body was. Isn't how, it just like five French dudes? It's like, but yeah, and like how racist <laughs> they were and like uh, a lot of internal chatter and stuff. So uh, in response to that, many people said that they were not in- interested in the Golden Globes. Tom Cruise returned his three Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And doing that means you're probably not going to get nominated for one as an mm-hmm. actor. Um, so, but, but the uh, Academy Awards coming up, uh, this is nominated for... Uh, best achievement in music written for a motion picture for Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Um, probably smart so that you get Lady Gaga to show up to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, best sound, best visual effects, uh, best achievement in film editing. This is my my choice for best achievement in film editing. This mm-hmm. the editing in this film makes the film. Um, it is it keeps everything tense and mm-hmm. uh, and is just probably impossibly hard to do. Yeah. Um, and then nominated for best adapted screenplay. And best picture of best the year. Adapted screenplay, adapted from what? Adapted, I think, because it's a sequel. They just so call that. A- they they lump sequels into adapted, oh. which is stupid and shouldn't be the case, but it is. That's ridiculous. Yep. That so makes no sense. Okay. My guess, my guess is it probably will not win anything above the line. It will not win best picture nor best adapted screenplay. It's not going to win best song. It probably. I don't know what other songs are on the list, but uh, I would say probably not because that's not a very good song. Um, it may win like sound or editing. Uh, visual effects is going to go to Avatar almost certainly, mm-hmm. and so uh, it it may come away with a, a win or two, but I don't see it being, you know, like overwhelming. I, it's not going to win best picture, although. I will say, and you can tell me if you feel this way, mm. of all the movies that I've watched this year, this is the most fun I have had watching a film. Like, it is literally, like, edge of your seat, like, tense moments, but you never feel like the movie is, like, out of control or unevenly paced or, like, doing something it shouldn't do. It's like, it's it's all within this very tight structure, even though things are kind of going chaotic. It's incredibly well crafted. Yes, that's right. Uh, it is it is a movie made by professionals, capital P. Yep. You know. Yep. And uh, it, it's it's sort of what I'm also expecting from the Spielberg film that we're going to watch. Uh, yeah. For Fablemans. Yeah, yeah. Fablemans. So the the other thing is like I, I compare it because it, it's so it's the blockbuster, right? Mm. It it is uh, in Best Picture. It and Avatar two are the blockbuster sort of selections. With Avatar, so much of it is like, how do they do that? Oh, with computers. Like, and and it's cool to see, like, they do the motion capture stuff underwater and like Mm -hmm. they, you know, create this whole world out of computers. That's cool. But like, it's, it's a bit esoteric. Yeah. Um, with this one, you see the planes literally flying Mm -hmm. like, like a hundred feet away from the ground or less. And it's like, literally, how did they do that without dying? Right. (laughs) And so I think this to me is much more visceral. And that's why I think it's a little bit more enjoyable than the Avatar way of water, even though I do also enjoy that. Yeah. Well, speaking of technology yeah would you like to hear one more final 
F-16 story. Bonus, bonus plane story. Yeah. Mm, Okay. So again, a lot of like fighter jet news in the last couple of weeks, (laughs) randomly. I don't know. Um, But this past week, uh, I think maybe, well, this past week it was, it was um, told to us that back in December, um, for the very first time, F-16 fighter jets took part in simulated dogfights in which the jets were fully autonomous and flown by AI. Ooh. Which is terrifying. This is such a bad idea. Why the fuck would you do that? Don't right. teach the robot computers how to fly fighter jets. Right. We are headed to one of two outcomes. Either AI becomes Skynet and tries to destroy us, or AI becomes the computers from the movie Her and just doesn't want anything to do with us. And, and then like, just leaves. And just like leaves and disappears into the ether. Yeah. The jet was a, it was by Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Um, and it's called the Vista X-62A, which is a variable in-flight simulation test aircraft. Oh, named after Windows Vista. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and it's a modified version of the F-16D Block 30-piece Marble II. If that means anything to yeah, you. Yeah, no, nothing. Um, and it's equipped with software that allows it to follow the performance of other aircraft. Uh-huh. And so uh, it is, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. I guess um, they were talking about like what we can expect. And I guess there are other countries that are also going to be or in the process of working on their own like AI autonomous sure, sure, fighter sure. jets, um, including the United Kingdom, Italy, Japan, Russia. Um, so they are in the process of also doing this. When I was a kid, I had this idea that it was like, okay, we shouldn't go to war anymore. We should just like basically have like Mortal Kombat that decides like the the winner of the war. So Mm -hmm. like China just sends their best fighter and the US sends their best fighter and whoever wins, you just have to accept that, right? Right. And we're kind of doing that with AI where it's Mm -hmm. like, we're gonna send our AI to fight your AI and whoever's computer blows the other computer out of the sky. Mm -hmm. We just accept that that's the winner. It's like- Yeah, it's very uh, Ender's game. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. And so don't yeah. watch that movie. It's not good. They are in the process of, uh, I guess, working on sixth generation fighters that are still being conceptualized, um, mm-hmm. but they will be able to fly without pilots. Great. Cool. Yeah. No so more Top Gun School. That's uh. Well, this is the sequel, right? Now <laughs> Maverick is flying. He's flying against the computers. Yeah. There is discussion about Top Gun three, but flying against the AI. Easier to move on from Tom Cruise at this point, though. Easier but. to make a villain out of the robots. That's just the movie Stealth. Or any of the other, like any of the Terminator movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The one last like note of this that is like whatever is that they are calling it, they're, they're going to be flying in supporting of uh, a program called Skyborg. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not at all terrifying for every single human being. Whatever. Look, are the robots going to kill us before we all kill ourselves? Let's find out. I don't know, but we're going to name it Skyborg. Yeah. All right, Anyway, so we've we've gone a little long. (laughs) We're a little punchy. Uh, I've had too much coffee, so I got to go. But uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. That's right. You can Uh, uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at The Crosscut. On Instagram, we are at The Crosscut Pod. Tweeted us your favorite Tom Cruise movies. Maybe you're a really big fan of The Firm for some reason. Or A Few Good Men. That one's better. Speed 2, Cruise Control. He's not in that one. Yeah, but I don't. No, how dare you? Do not sully the good name of William Baldwin. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye.